This episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone, I'm your host Eric Brown and we're back with Neo Reality Collective episode 61. No wait, yeah episode 61. If I got that wrong, I am terribly sorry. Trying to keep track of scheduling is always such a pain. So, there were rumors once more that it looked like there was going to be yet another DC film canceled. That makes you question why on earth should we even care at this point until the big reboot happens. Because even though James Gunn has said stuff about Blue Beetle and Aquaman The Lost Kingdom, I'm like, well... Do I care about those two movies if they're not really part of the DCEU? Because then you're going to have these conflicting accounts, especially if, Aqu- if Jason Momoa wants to play a different character and retire the Aquaman character. Or Blue Beetle might be alright, but there were rumors going around that um, Keanu Reeves is up, uh, planned Constantine 2, the sequel to the long, long ago 20, 2005 Constantine is said to be well was said to be cancelled and then it came out that nope it's still happening okay so yeah it's still happening we're still on the frame on this so yeah I honestly am not interested in Constantine with Keanu Reeves I look at Keanu Reeves I'm looking at him and I'm thinking Man, I cannot see him as Constantine. I'm like, I never watched Constantine, the first movie, but it's just, I look at him and I'm thinking, you're not Constantine. Like, nothing about him gives me that vibe that he's Constantine. But who knows? Maybe because people, some say they didn't like the, that movie, so they'll probably give him a chance now. Since, you know, it's been over 15 years and Keanu Reeves had gotten his massive rebirth thanks to John Wick and Cyberpunk. And all that stuff in the Matrix, uh, in the Matrix Return movie. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, the um, horror series on YouTube, The Backrooms, is getting turned into a feature film. Yeah, a YouTube series that was done on on that's the original short follow. Uh, Parson, he, who is 17 years old, I must stress, made this viral YouTube horror universe with the backrooms, and he is now in charge of the directing of this movie. 
I must stress this was a YouTube short. And the original short followed a young filmmaker in the 1990s that finds himself transported to another dimension. Here in the harshly yellow labyrinth rolls of this new dimension, otherworldly creatures threaten the and the safety of all who entered. The short drew heavy inspiration from a creepypasta published to 4chan in 2019. It's a found footage style, eerie mood, creepy imagery, and a suddenly scare spawn spawned a viral hit, pulling in over 44 million views. And he's also held 16 shorts in the Backroom series on YouTube. And other channels have created their own, you know, spin-offs and stories. These, there's even there's also a set of few video games even including Escape the Backrooms a co-op horror experience. I gotta be honest, that's kind of pretty cool. Uh, that this this little fan this this young lad managed to make this YouTube universe essentially, and they even got James Wan involved in the production producing it the feature for a Italian monster. Yeah, we don't know who's in the movie entirely just yet. Production will begin soon, and we'll just wreck it over summer vacation. You have to remember, he is 17. The guy, the, Barsons, is 17. Just think about that. that. That's pretty impressive. Meanwhile, so, Tom Taylor has been a busy, 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 busy camper in the DC Comics side of the universe. So, remember Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us, and the Injustice 2 video game? And we all remember the big, massive works John, Tom Taylor did with, um... <sighs> Tom Taylor wrote the Injustice 1 and 2 comics to tie in to the games, though there is some stuff that, uh, happened um so basically the story was that superman went mad after the deaths of his wife and unborn child and now it's been announced that john kent the new superman of the main dc universe who has been desized to be an older person so everyone is still bitter about that i understand and now, the Adventures of Superman miniseries, John Kent will be featuring the Injustice universe where Superman, the tyrant, will meet, well, the son that he never got to have. So, yeah. So, apparently, Tom had Taylor revealed that John will arrive in the Injustice universe during the period of Injustice 2, Year 5, meaning it takes place shortly before the events of the second game. He also noted that while John's encounters with Injustice, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman will be key moments in the series, there's another character whose relationship to John becomes key. Uh, there is a different Damian Wayne, as we all know, and literally his best friend essentially not on the side of the angels in that world. That is going to give a very fun, entertaining dynamic and quite torture dynamic to play with. Tom Taylor, torturing everyone to hell. Uh, Tom Taylor. So, Overwatch 2 Season 3 will feature Doomfist becoming the One Punch Man. Yeah. The, there's going to be a cosmetic skin of... Uh, uh, will feature Doomfist dressed up as One Punch Man. That's just weird and hilarious. 
Meanwhile, fans have been requesting... Remember, so Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order had been a success and has listened, and EA's Respawn Entertainment listened to the fan feedback about the game and added a much, much requested fast travel feature to its upcoming Jedi Survivor. As reported by Games Radar, director... I can't pronounce that name. Tall Play magazines that respawn implementing more ways to travel around Jedi Survivor's worlds by including both fast travel and rideable mounts. The lack of fast travel caused frustration for many fans of the game in a game that was otherwise well received. Players were encouraged to travel back and explore different areas, but without being able to immediately teleport between these locations, they were forced to essentially start from the beginning of each world before they could do so. We will feature both fast travel and rival creatures to help players quickly get from point A to point B and back to A. The fast travel is point to point and the rival creatures offer a way to quickly negotiate between points and explore what is in between. And, you know, Kyle Katzis will be going through changes such as, um, he's more mature, more rugged, and more weathered by time and by situation. That and the fact that he has to remember that his youth is conspired mostly through fear because the Empire killed his master and the clones and all that insanity. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, made by the people who are horrible, Don of Ragnarok and his composer have won the first Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack for Video Game and Other Interactive Media. This came at the 65th Grammy Awards, and the Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Dawn of, Ra- Dawn of Ragnarok won over, won over Fire Aliens, Fire Team, Team Elite, Call of Duty Vanguard, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxies, and an Old World. <laughs> oh, man. Dawn of Ragnarok, I have now played Assassin's Creed Valhalla for a long time. This was before I had found out what had happened at Ubisoft at the time. So, yeah, I had bought Watch Dog Legion and that for uh, when that happened, but I did not hear about this stuff until I watched James Stephanie Sterling's videos about it. The industry sucks. Meanwhile, as that has been going on, there has been another issue going on in the behind-the-scenes issue with Activision Blizzard and Xbox's merging plan, as they have received several warnings from the EU in a potential blow. The European Union has reportedly hit Microsoft with a formal antitrust warning as it ties to get its approval on its $69 billion deal. So, political reports they that the EU representative sent Microsoft a statement of objections laying out why the, why the body feels the deal may be problematic for the game industry. The statement was not released, but the EU previously contended that Microsoft might be incentivized to block access to Call of Duty in the future. Uh, in a statement to Politico, Microsoft spokesperson said Xbox is still committed to finding a path forward for the deal. We are listening carefully to the European Commission's concerns and are confident we can address them. Um, <laughs> asked in an earlier interview whether he has more confidence than a year ago about the deal getting done, CEO Phil Spencer said he has more knowledge about working with different regulatory boards than before, making him more confident more now than I was a year ago, simply based on the information I have and the discussions we've been having. 
So my confidence remains high, he told IGN. We're actively working with the regulatory boards around the world that need to approve for this, and it's been a learning experience. I have a lot of time spent, a lot of travel, and a lot of conversations, but the conversations where I get to talk about our industry and the work that we do and why we do it. I think the more regulators are informed about gaming is, how the business runs, and who the players are, and what aspirations is as Team Xbox is just a good thing for the industry itself. Despite that, the deal has come under intense scrutiny in the US, UK, EU, and has led to usually unusually contentious war wars between Sony and Xbox, between the two platform horrors that they seek to sway the regulators. In December, FTC sued the block sued to block the acquisition with a trial set later this year. Both Spencer and Bobby, oh my god, can he please go away, continue to express comments in the deal closing with Kodak, aka Horrible, running an internal memo that two companies believe that these are arguments will win despite a regulatory environment focused on ideology and misconceptions about the tech industry. I think it's more about Bobby Kotick being a horrible person and letting Activision Blizzard burn. So, remember the online sensation of Squid Game and how popular that series got on Netflix? Well, um... Squid Game The Challenge was was commissioned by Netflix to basically make a live action... Okay, how do I say this? So we got Squid Game the series, the story-driven horror-deadly horror competition for massive cash. <laughs> Netflix made a reality spinoff called Squid Game The Challenge. And... Yeah. Um... Uh, uh, so, apparently Netflix really was committed to maintaining the Squid Game iconography and whatnot to, to the point that it was being reportedly called an inhumane disaster, saying that the filming conditions are far, are far from the inhumane conditions presented in the original show, with several contestants speaking out about unsafe filming environments and claiming that the game was rigged. But based on multiple reports, conditions on the show have been difficult, to say the least. Gathered in a former air hangar near London for filming, unpaid participants in the Squid Game's reality spinoff reportedly faced freezing temperatures and fatigue. They had woken up as early as 3.30 and remained on set for up to 9 hours, unable to move for a long stretch of the time due to the game they were playing, according to Variety. At least 10 participants collapsed during the first day of filming, according to the Rolling Stone. Medics were called to the set repeatedly, with one contestant even referring to the set as a war zone. People were dropping like flies. The second time the song played, I saw in my left peripheral vision that this girl was swaying, then she just blacked out, and you could hear her head actually hit the ground. But, but then someone came on the microphone and said to hold our positions because the game was not paused. After that, people were dropping like flies. Several contestants also claimed that the game was rigged, citing the fact that a few influencer contestants were pre-selected to move on to the new rounds, regardless of the results. Two contestants also told a corner Rolling Stone. They also told them that Netflix, which flew international contestants into London for filming, had already booked their return flights before the games began, and these flights later turned out to occur right after the contestants' eliminations. An anonymous contestant then told the Rolling Stone, it wasn't really a game show, it was a TV show, we were basically extras in a TV show. Oh, God. So, yeah. 
maybe they should never do this again. Like, at all. Stick to being the TV show Squid Game, not Squid Game must make a reality-based challenge that's clearly getting rigged according to contestants. Yeah, like, the prize is 456 participants competing for a massive $4.56 million prize. And from what it sounds like, it's clearly not worth it. Like, at all. Like, it wasn't worth it. Like, oh god. Like, I haven't watched the show, I just never gotten the time to watch it, but... Damn. I, I only had seen clips of it, and I was like, oh my god, being compared, like, the TV show was barbaric at times, from what I saw of the clips, like how, you know, how the contestants were in the story, but here's the thing, that was the story. We're talking about the challenge they made out of it, out of a reality-based spinoff of it. And, and I'm like, the old, calling it inhumane and a war zone and people dropping like flies because of health and all that scares and medical personnel having to come in at times. It makes you think for a second, the close, the only thing that's stopping it from being a, by crime against humanity is the death sentences that in the story side of things would do. So, yeah. So, 2024 will also see the return of Gladiator. Gladiator 2 is set for a 2024 release date, more specifically November 22nd, reported by Variety, and Paul Miskell is in talks to star in the sequel. The actor is best known for his roles in Hulu's Normal People, and is currently nominated for Best Actor for his role in After Sun. So, fans have been hoping for with the whole Gladiator series, and Gladiator was released in 2000. I never watched it, but it was... Russell Crowe, who played it, and a portrayed Roman general who gets thrown into the Gladiator games after his family is murdered. Not much to say about the plot, but apparently, um, previous reports have said if the actor joins, he'll play Lucius, the son of Lucia and nephew to Joaquin Phoenix's Commodus from the original. My god. Am I not merciful? And that. I'm like, I don't know how they'll top that song, but like... Yeah. Speaking of film, uh, James Cameron finally comes to admit, yeah, Jack Kerr survived the Titanic after 25 years. But they also said there were a lot of variables in play. So, yeah. Um, they talked about, you know, the, the door and and how they could have worked it out and all that. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, they recreated the scene and designed a series test to see if there was a way Jack could have survived. And... Yeah, they, they had to recreate certain things to go ahead and... They made the test realistic. The stunt people were splashed around or pulled beneath the water as they were seen to be in the movie. And... This time, Rose gave Jack her life jacket as both stud people balanced on the door that their top has free of the water. And Cameron commented, and he stabilized. She, she got into a place where if, projected the, if we projected that out, he just might have been made it to, until the lifeboat got there. Jack might have lived, but there are a lot of variables. I think his thought process is I'm not going to do the one thing that jeopardizes her, and that's 100% character. 
yeah th th this is um this is the thing i wanted to point out like yes there definitely there could be a chance they could have survived and happily ever after and all that but then you have to look at it from the perspective of the film as much as we would love to have seen Jack survive, uh, I've never watched Titanic, but I do know what happened in it. Heck, the trailer gave it away. Um, they just went through a horrendous disaster, barely survived, and now there's no sight of boats in sight. They don't know how to get anywhere else. They're kind of in an emotionally compromised position right now where they're kind of thinking life or death, choice, choice, the choices are decisions. They're kind of thinking on the flying by the seat of their pants. It's, if this was, if this was just like a, this would be a lot different if the variables were different, but like I, like James Cameron said, there are a lot of variables, and Jack could have survived if they, you know, thought this through, but at the time, but considering what they just went through, they wouldn't really have the time to really think this through, like, hey, oh god, Jack, please, quick, you gotta make it through this, man, and wait, is this a good idea? Maybe we should think about this first, like, that, that's not what's gonna happen. So, that happened. Meanwhile, EA Motive, which has been gaining popularity due to Dead Space's remake, they have already started production on the single-player Iron Man game. It's officially begun, and... Yeah. They started working on it, and EA Motive explained in Ask Me Anything on Reddit that they're interested in continuing to work on the Dead Space franchise. Back to that, so the shipping of the game just came a couple of weeks ago. The team is first taking a well-deserved vacation before determining what's next. And it's replied that the studio then revealed that another team at the studio has started working on Iron Man before reassuring fans that the game is in great hands. Just don't screw us with microtransactions, and we'll be good. Or think we could do what they did with Anthem. All I know is, is that a lot of people praise Anthem for one thing, and that was the, the flying mechanics. If you have that, you got something. If you just put that feature into the Iron Man game, you got something here. So, the Hulk, the Hulk comic series, um... <laughs> Apparently, they're going to do something experimental with the upcoming Hulk annual that will ultimately feature the ending to this new volume of the Hulk before the new creative team takes over in May. Um, uh, the Hulk will go full found footage viral. Vibe. That's the premise behind the Verderian in project a new story taking place in the brand new Hulk annual this May in which a group of filmmakers set out to find the truth about the Hulk himself but find much more than they bargained for I questioned how that happened but okay set in the town that birthed the Hulk the story will introduce a ragtag group of young filmmakers who set out to to uncover the truth behind the green Goliath's origin but end up getting firsthand a look at his deadly rage Reads Marvel's announcement of the new Hulk annual. A documentary crew is on the hunt for a monster at the heart of a gamma radiation leak, but they get much more than they bargain for when they're caught in the middle of a brawl between two unstoppable giants as Hulk battles and unleashed Giganto. So, for those not steeped in the Marvel lore, let's just go over this. Giganto is a massive kaiju-like monster seen on the cover of Fantastic Four number one, the very first comic set in the Marvel Universe, meaning that Hulk is flashing back to some classic Marvel lore for his new story. I do have one question though, doesn't, can't they just 
find Bruce Banner and ask him. In fact, the story sounds like this would have been perfect fit for Al Ewing's uh, Immortal Hulk, considering it was a more horror-rooted story that lasted way longer than I thought it would. It lasted for 50 issues, I'll, I'll give him that. It had some controversial moments, specifically for its artist, but it all worked out in the end. Plus, they had the beautiful artwork of Alex Ross doing the covers. <laughs> so beautiful. So, yeah. In the announcements, in the further announcements, uh, it's mentioned when my editor, Will Moss, first reached out to me about writing this Hulk annual, it took me a bit beat to wrap my head around the enormity of it all. The Hulk is such a massive character, just this larger-than-life figure who is equal parts man, monster, and stubble force of nature. And it's that feeling that unfathomable scales that we're looking into explore the Bradarian Project. Our fan footage story about a team of filmmakers shooting a documentary on the legacy of Bruce Banner and the horrors they discover when they actually find him. It's been incredible exciting to dive into Hulk's adventures through this truly human lens. I can't wait for readers to witness firsthand what it's like to ride out an encounter with the strongest one there is. Look, if this is a documentary, can't they just go to the Avengers and just ask him if they can contact Hulk? Heck, isn't one a legal attorney that that is actually related to the big green guy and Bruce Banner? She-Hulk, you could call her, go to her office and say, we want to have a meeting with you about a documentary project that relates to your cousin Bruce Banner. Can we do something? Or has he been in contact? No, we're, we're not going to do that? Okay. But uh, Gary Frank is doing the cover art for, annu for, Hulk annu for the Hulk annual, so um, that's awesome. Meanwhile, uh, James Gunn decided to ruffle the feathers of WBD, one of Rose's discovery with his comments in the past. Comments on the, at the unveiling DC News new slate was badly received by some at Warner Brothers, according to new reports. Dawn, you poor little thing. Uh, Gunn, who is leading the new DC era projects alongside DC Studios co-CEO Peter Safran, mentioned how the outgoing Superman actor Henry Cavill was dicked around by previous leadership. Safran also drew ire for his comments on the not-really-civil Batgirl. For me, for this story, it isn't Henry. I like Henry. He's a great Ray. I think he's gotten dicked around by a lot of people, old, including former regimes of this company, but this story isn't Henry for a number of reasons. He explained. The Hollywood Reporter suggested those words didn't go quite well with quite a few ruffled feathers at Warner's. Oh, goddammit. Okay. It's true, though. James Gunn is actually being honest here. And in fact, it already makes you already look bad enough as is when you protect the guy, the person who went ahead and tried to start a cult, allegedly. Drugs, kidnapping, children, uh, gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, you know, Ezra Miller, the person who believes, according to insider sources, believes that they're the center of all life in the multiverse and the omniverse because they play the Flash. Like, doesn't that look worse than James Gunn pissed us our feet, pissed at our feelings because he's being honest about how we handle Henry Cavill and his Superman role. Because we hated Zack Snyder and we had to find some excuse to get rid of him even though we already got rid of Zack Snyder and we could just move on with our lives. 
way. Uh, yeah. And in fact, it took a pandemic for us to get the Snyder Cut. That's, uh, yeah, that's a lot of things. So, a few weeks back, uh, as the show is relaxing and taking an extended hiatus, uh, Tom Taylor was announced to be writing the new, the new story for DC Comics, a new Titans ongoing. After the events of Dark Crisis and Infinite Earths, the league is on definite hiatus for the moment, though according to, to documents and screenshots, they are set to come back th- later this year, so do not do not think for a moment the Titans are fully replacing the Justice League for a few years or something. That would require effort. So, yeah. That's basically the setup premise of this. The biggest development in the final chapter of uh, Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. The League is on indefinite hiatus in its place. Nightwing and his longtime partners uh, become, are becoming the DCU's first line of defense against all threats. The former team sidekicks are now calling the shots. It will debate, debut in May 2023 as part of the Dawn of DC relaunch. The series is helmed by Nightwing writer Tom Taylor and Wonder Woman Year One artist Nicholas Scott. Also debating that month are Green Lantern by Flashpoint Beyond Jeremy Adams and I can't pronounce this last name I tried. Cyborg as well and a bunch of other titles. So that was an awesome announcement mostly because we get more uh, Troy content and I'm excited for that. So I'm curious to know how big the Titans is actually going to get. Is it gonna just be the the mainstay me- members of the group of uh, Donna Troy, Nightwing, Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Raven, or are they gonna get bigger? Like when they were at their apex, when more characters kept dying. We don't know yet. We'll see more. Tom Taylor did give an interview on IGN. You can check that out too. But yeah, I'm excited for this book because more Donna Troy content. I really wish she got her own mini series that could get upgraded to an ongoing, hopefully, like another series that did, but we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the Titans book and I especially like Tom Taylor's work on Nightwing. So yeah, pretty damn cool. But we'll be back after these after this break, small little break, and we'll be back very so shortly. And we'll see you all again soon. Take care and have a good night. Have a good evening, and enjoy. And go use the bathroom or something. We'll be back. Welcome back. Let's finish this thing all off. So Colin Farrell has revealed more details about the upcoming Penguin HBO Max series. Including the episode count. I think it's going to be eight parts for HBO around Oz's rise to power, feeling that power vacuum that was created when Falcone was killed. Matt Reese's idea was that originally to have Penguin show begin a week after the end of the Batman film, and then, if it works, if the trajectory is interesting enough, and if the items go for it, we do our jobs right, we have a second film, Penguin feature, and the second and pick up with the HBO show will end. And he doesn't know if he'll be in Batman 2 yet. Marys, the director of the Batman, has previously indicated that the HBO Max show will set up Batman 2, and which has since been revealed to be a very straightforward title, The Batman Part 2. 
saying there's actually a whole little fabric of things we're wanting to do, the way we're doing with the Penguin and how that comes to be back into play, how it will lead into the sequel and what the sequel is going to be. And it's still happening despite everything that went down and it will be part of the Elseworld universe side of, of DC films. Meanwhile, Marvel's Wolverine, according to giant boss Jeff Grubb, announced that, yep, uh, according to Deet share a few new details, saying the surprising thing for me is that I've heard two different dates. I've heard as early as fall as 2024, which would be wild. Insomniac has since released Marvel's Spider-Man 2 in tw fall 2023, so to launch another major title just a year would be wild indeed. That said, Grubb also emphasized that he's heard internally there's still very much talk about 2025, so nothing is truly set in stone yet. So, and yeah, I, I knew it was not coming out in 2023, but it also been reported that um, they will be having a hard and rated game suggesting that superhero title, superhero, but Wolverine will be putting those deadly claws to good use. For reference, Marvel ESRB Spider-Man game has a T rating for blood, drug reference, and language of violence, so expect Wolverine to have more. And they also mentioned, like, how, also according to Giant Bombs Grub, uh, that Wolverine probably won't be full open world, like the Spider-Man games, knowing accurately what, um... Knowing accurately that Wolverine would have a very different mode of tra traversal than web slinging superheroes. Instead of full open world, Wolverine will probably have open sections of the world similar to other major Sony games. Grove didn't make this comparison specifically, but it sounds like Wolverine Mac can be vaguely similar to God of War Ragnarok in terms of open worldness. I like, doesn't Wolverine also drive a motorcycle from time to time? Like, that could be it. <laughs> or they could do fast travel. Anyway, it would work. Speaking of Logan, uh, Logan and Indiana Jones director James Mangold could be directing Swamp Thing for DC, according to The Hollywood Reporter, er, in early talks for the film. So, I heard this and I was like, can you direct Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow first, though? Because that is what Logan is, what Logan was, though in... No, this would be done in space. That is with a Woman of Tomorrow story that they keep touting it's going to be their inspiration for the movie. So, yeah, that's, it makes sense to me, at least. This is probably personal bias, but, yeah, that's just my opinion. I feel like James Mangold would do well working a Supergirl movie, as since the Woman of Tomorrow story from Tom King would make sense having, having it be, you know, doing that. But he also is a massive fan of Swamp Thing, so maybe it won't be something new and different. Meanwhile, Dexter and Billions spin-offs are on the way as Showtime adopts Yellowstone franchise model. God damn it. Dexter Origins, executive produced by longtime Dexter mainstay Clyde Phillips. According to Showtime, it will dra dramatize the young Dexter Morgan out of the outset of his transition to avenging serial killer he would become. Set in Miami, begin and begins as Dexter graduates college to join Miami Metro. With him and several young versions of characters, he's already been in the flagship series. Also mentioning, uh, also picked up a new iteration of Dexter New Blood, which will focus on Harrison, the son of Dexter, who flees to New York where he must wrestle with his own violent nature and where, like his father, he's too compelled to kill. And, yeah, basically exploring other characters. As for Billions, it would be Billions Miami and London. London. Yeah. Along with Millions and Trillions. Oh, God. 
So how about we contact uh, um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos? They, they could probably give some advice on living the trillion dollar life. Or at least the closest they'll be to trillionaires as long as Elon Musk continues to butcher Twitter with crazy announcements. Meanwhile, uh, according to the video game, according to publisher to Take Two, um, Bioshock creator Ken Levin is the next new game for him is coming out within the next couple of years, and they said plans to release the game between between 2023's now physical year to 2025, which runs until March 31st. The game called Judas. And they announced that they've had some slippage in the last few years. Probably because of that big, I don't know, pandemic that happened and all the hell that's been breaking loose from time to time. <laughs> so, yeah. It's any all around. Meanwhile, the UK government has also expressed its concerns for the Microsoft Activision Blizzard year, saying it could harm gamers. And once again, they mention how Call of Duty is a thing about Call of Duty, and here's the thing, I, I get the concern, especially how big of a deal Call of Duty is compared to everything else that, that Microsoft bought, even bigger than Halo. I I think that, I do recall that I'm trying to find a deal saying that they're always gonna keep the games on the Sony, but you can also, but you also have, have a dimension that there's a potential that Microsoft and Sony could have their break it, breaking of talks and end their relationship well into the Call of Duty deal they have, and they could just take it all away, and plus there'd be no one to stop them, unless you do another big million, multi-billion dollar lawsuit. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to do if anything they'll have if anything they would have to cut ties or call duty just to make this happen and make a deal with sony that for whatever happens even if we don't talk anymore if we're not on the phone anymore we'll still make games for you we'll still make call of duty games for you guys so yeah meanwhile for the horrendous future that we're living in in the gaming industry the legend of Zelda: tears of the kingdom Set for pre-order, but there is a um, problem. Seventy bucks. Oh god damn it! So yeah, the continuing saga of gaming industry moving to seventy dollars since Microsoft recently joined up and finally caved in. Oh, damn it! And. Nintendo, you were doing marginally better than the other two companies because at least you were paying your staff still even when you lost revenue, you gave them a raise. Even though if this was Microsoft or Xbox, they would have fired a bunch of people, which Microsoft and Sony, they would have fired people. And Sony is part of Japan, so yada, yada, yada. But, uh, yeah. Um, it was just... Oh, man. It, it's just insane. It, it really is. That all this drama is happening. And that $70 price hike is now going for Nintendo games. Especially on old hardware that's over a, nearly a decade old. And hasn't been upgraded to give itself the steroids version of Nintendo Switch. Same. Speaking of um, crazy things, Michelle Ewing... And 
Um, I, I'm pretty sure I butchered that name. Sorry, uh, Michelle. But um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Co-star her lead role in that movie. Yeah, it almost didn't happen because she revealed that she, as she aged, she felt the acting opportunity starting to diminish, but refused to entertain the suggestion that she should just retire despite the roles getting smaller. She admitted, yes, yeah, you get older, the roles get smaller, it seems like the numbers go up, and things go narrow, and then you start getting relegated to the side more and more. So when everything everywhere came, all at once, it was very emotional, because this means that you are the one who's leading this whole process, who's telling the story. You know, as you get older, people start saying, oh yeah, you should retire, you should do this, you should know, guys, do not tell me what to do. I should be in control when I'm capable of, right? And a lot of people did praise her performance in that movie, and... <laughs> The directors even offered her the starring role in A20 in the, in the A24 film, the role that has earned her a role that has earned her numerous nods and accolades during the current act award season, including her first Oscar nomination. So, props. Never give up on your dreams, kids. So yeah, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, seventy bucks. Back to that. Um, damn. Meanwhile, Disney announced to the world and to the joys of kids everywhere that we're going to get Toy Stories, Frozen, Toy Story 5, Frozen 3, Zootopia 2. Yeah! They announced it during their conference call, during the Q1 earnings call, and that they'll have to share more when the production starts soon. He called the franchise investment an example of how they're leaning into, into our unrivaled brands. Yeah! Nothing can go horribly wrong, right? They fired 10,000 people. Well, 7,000 to be exact, but it's nearing 10,000. After the uh, Disney first ever quarterly subscriber loss. And an Avatar attraction coming to Disneyland. But there is a um, problem with Walt Disney World. So... But just a heads up, this is going to get a little political because I hate Ron DeSantis, so um, Ron DeScumbag, let's go with that. Uh, Ron DeScumbag um, has issued a new bill in, con in their Congress and has passed it, and because there's this new bill that's been officially passed... Uh, Walt Disney World has lost control of the board of its own district to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, meaning it will lose some of the privileges and autonomy it has had since 1967. <laughs> so, yeah. Florida could, can tax Disney, yada yada yada. The true impact obviously remains to see, but it will make for possible for, among other things, Florida to tax Disney to help fund road improvements outside the park. The Disney will also be a subject to a more state regulatory reviews and could cost, and that which could cost the build, cost of building projects at the resort to balloon. Um, here's my response. Uh, eh. Because of this new law, Ron DeScumbay has the power to appoint all five members of his board. Florida Senate will then be the ones to confirm the choices. Now, here's the thing about this whole idea. Now, normally I would be championing, yay, the government's finally listening to the people and funding the corporations. 
problem, of course, is that the corporation is actually in the right here for once when they oppose the Don't Say Gay legislation bill. For those unaware, this law prevents kindergartner through kindergartner through third grade teachers from including anything related to sexuality or gender in their curriculums. But um, that's not really the inherent flaw with this problem. <laughs> The other major problem with this is the fact that anyone who dared oppose it, he called everyone child groomers and other horrible offensive s statements about the LGBTQ community and anyone who dared criticize his supreme overlordness. And he went and tried to abolish Disney World's special task district altogether following Disney's opposition to the bill. So... Uh, God damn it. The Reedy Creek Improvement District was set to be abolished on June 1st, 2023, but it was discovered that taxpayers in origin, uh, in certain counties would have to pay for certain Disney World services like fire protection, policing, and road maintenance. Additionally, the district is roughly $1 billion in debt, and that would have been transferred to the counties if the district was abolished. So, yeah, Disney has still kept most of its perks they enjoyed over the past 56 years, including the ability to issue tax-exempt bonds and approve development plans without scrutiny from certain local regulators. Translation, Disney has their own little micronation, and they're clearly conquering the world, but Ron DeSantis, instead of fighting the corporations, he's doing it to fulfill his own massive stroking ego. Fuck Ron DeSantis. Now, moving on from the uncomfortable political talks about my clearly, obviously anti-Republican attitude of a conservative nutjob who lost his sanity years ago, to the point that even Trump is insulting him, which is saying a lot, I had hoped when Trump turned his back on Ron DeSantis after he was his biggest fan, that would be it for his political career, because everyone else follows Trump like sheep. Sadly, that didn't happen, he's still in charge of Florida for the next few years until he tries to run for office and hopefully he loses. Anyways, Wall Street Journal reported that Warner Bros. Discovery is no longer planning to merge HBO Max and Discovery Plus into a single streaming gigantic service. The source, however, cla clarifies that Warner's plan to bring platforms together remains that chase and adds that they decide to keep the lower priced offering of Discovery Plus in the US marketplace. Unnamed sources previously told the Wall Street Journal that it has shift has occurred in response to fears that a significant number of Discovery Plus's 20 million subscribers will be willing to migrate to a more expensive service. Kevin executives have indicated that the new currently unnamed service will be more expensive than the existing 1599 ad free version of HBO Max. And Warner Bros. Discovery will probably launch a separate free ad support streaming service later in 2023, which will feature a range of programs drawn from Kevin's successor libraries split across numerous distinct channels. So, this is the thing that pisses me off to no end, because Warner Bros. Discovery is trying to launch multiple streaming platforms instead of just keeping everything in one gigantic platform, and we're selling that platform off to the point that you start questioning why should we even keep our HBO Max's accounts, and they want to rename it to Max only because HBO's not a good brand name, or just merge HBO and Discovery and call it HBO Discovery Max. Without the plus? Yeah. But last but not least, let's end this on a more positive note. Poison Ivy. 
The story by G. Willow Wilson is no started off as a six-issue miniseries last year. It is now 2023 and it's heading into its 10th issue in a few weeks. Well, it was looking like it was going to end at 12 two months later, but that's been changed too. It's now an ongoing. Announced on the DC Comics press site, Pamela Isley's comic book journey has grown beyond her original plan, as today the publisher has announced the hit six-issue maxi-series miniseries, which was expanded to a second-issue story arc, will continue as an ongoing comic book series beginning June 2023 with Poison Ivy 13. Written by G. Willow Wilson and, writ- and with art by Jessica with Mar- Marcio T- Takara, and covers by Jessica Fawn, the fan-favorite Poison Ivy's quest to undo the wrongs of man and return the earth to the green persists at whatever the cost. The comic book series signs best when we see Ivy's force to confront humanity, both her own and that of others, and the process forces the reader to truly see the world. Launched as a limited series in June 2022 during DC's annual Pride celebration, Poison Ivy's dark, lush, character-driven first story arc focused on an Ivy who is both reviewer of mercy and merciless, who is beautiful and deadly, broken and fierce. And then Harley Quinn came into her life. So, Poison Ivy's second issue um, arc involved, you know, egal, involved confronting her humanity and whatnot. But um, Poison Ivy 13, the hit DC title, becomes an ongoing comic book series and will bring Pamela Isley back to Gotham and reunite with Harley Quinn after they had their reunion in issue 9, which was awesome. So, yeah, everyone, Poison Ivy is now an ongoing. Now, can we get more other female characters, and can we get a Dinosaur miniseries that could potentially get an ongoing, or an extra 12? Please? Ugh. Plus, at least that means less Bat books. But that's later down the road. Let's rejoice that Poison Ivy is getting the respect she's finally been warranted after all these years, and my video essay of potential eco-hero of tomorrow is not in vain. So let's celebrate that. Well, everyone, this was your host, Eric Brown of Neo Reality Collective, Pop Culture News Talk, and we'll see you all again next time. Stay tuned for this last ad break and outro. Thank you, Everyday Fans, for, for helping with this video, and I will podcast, and I will see you all again next time. Take care, and have a good day, everybody. Peace, and take care. Be sure to donate to the brand, and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.